Our sermon this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled John 11:25 and John 15:1. Good afternoon, everyone. You know, I'm so used to hearing that response, you know, when you say good afternoon or hello everyone. It's always good that somebody, you know, replies because I've been some places where you say that and they're all just quiet and kind of makes you wish you hadn't said it. But, <laughs> but good afternoon, everyone. What is the saying? It's as good as, as you make it, I guess. <clears throat> well, we come to the sixth and seventh uh, I am statements of Jesus. Um. Curtis was supposed to be here today, but he's, uh, so I'm filling in for him. I think, uh, wait just a couple of seconds for you to get your uh, handout. Now in John chapter 11, we read where Jesus received an urgent message about a friend who is very, very ill. In John chapter 11 and in verse 1, and later on we'll see where uh, he said that I am the true vine and uh, my father is the husbandman, but we'll start off with where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Verse 1, now a certain man was sick and his name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. So we see that he was sick unto death. Bethany was a, a village that was about a mile and a half away from the east of Jerusalem. And that would probably be about an hour or so on, on foot. But today, Bethany is an Arab village. And it's called El Azariah. And it means the place of, Nazar- uh, of Lazarus. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters said unto him, that's Jesus, said unto Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard therefore that he was sick. He abode two days still. He abode two days longer in the same place where he was. Now we see that Jesus did not leave immediately right away. But he abode about two more days. Verse 7 Then after that, the last, that's those two days, uh, he said to his disciples, let us go unto Judea again. And his disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone you, and you go there again. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not because he sees Uh, the light of this uh, world. So, you know, when we walk in the light of God in faith, 
we're able to see. We're able to uh, follow in the right direction. But, you know, if our attitude is one that is fierce, fear, uh, having fear, we walk in darkness. And we, we may stumble. Verse 10, as it says, But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. So when we walk in the midst of a world that has a lot of darkness, if you are prone to walk in the darkness, you're bound to stumble. But we're to walk in the light. These things said he. And after that, he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. He's asleep. But I go that I may, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said the disciples, Well, Lord, if he sleep, he'll do well. He must be doing okay. Must be getting better. But howbeit Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoke of uh, Lazarus, you know, of taking a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. You remember in 1 Thessalonians where, you know, Paul likened death unto a sleep, to a slumber. Well, verse 16, then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples. He said unto his fellow disciples that were around him, he said, let us also go, that we may die with him. You know, this is the doubting Thomas that uh, he really didn't feel safe about going back to Bethany because the Jews that were there might stone him, might kill him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Lazarus had been dead four days. Now, Bethany, in verse 18 was nigh unto Jerusalem about 15 furlongs, about a mile and seven tenths, and many of the Jews came. They came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. She stayed in the house where everybody there was mourning. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said unto her, your brother shall rise again. Your brother shall rise again. And Martha replied to Jesus, saying, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Then Jesus said to her, Mary, that's to Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So Jesus, we see, has the power over both the physical and the spiritual life. And even though life ends at death, there is that spirit of belief within all of us that someday will be to our awakening at the, at the time of the resurrection. And we know that there are some Protestant churches that you know, believe that there is no resurrection because it is their belief that those who die just go right on to heaven and that's that they're you know, up there looking down on their loved ones. And you know that's a comfort to uh, a lot of people.
comfort to them. So it's a comforting thought to many. But it, it really is not according to what the Bible says about death and the resurrection. But here in this chapter of John. Verse, uh, chapter 11. Martha expresses that she knew the truth about the resurrection. And that it would come at the last day. At the last day it would come. And we also see that Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he also said in verse 26 that whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this, he asked Martha. Do you believe this? And she said unto him, yea, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calls for you. And as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him, to Jesus. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily she got up hurriedly and so they followed her followed her out saying oh she's going unto the grave to weep verse 32 then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying unto him Lord if you had been here my brother had not died same thing that you know Martha had said so we can see in this event that death is a sorrow. That it is also one that brings tears. And just like sickness, it, it brings anxiety and it brings fears and it brings stress. All sorts of things that afflict our lives that can cause these emotions. But it was his delay in coming to answer. In which they said, well, Lord, if you'd only been here, could have healed him. So, they, the thing in all of this is that sometimes when there is a delay in an answer to prayer and in an answer to what we would like Jesus Christ to do for us, it may be delayed for one reason or the other and it doesn't turn out like we expect it to. And so we, are, we see in this that faith and patience is one of the requirements when we call upon Christ. So this is what it teaches. But when Jesus, in verse 33, when he saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, the mourners that were there with, with uh, Martha and uh, Mary, they were weeping with them. Jesus groaned in the spirit, and he was troubled by what he saw. Jesus groaned in the spirit. This word groaned is from uh, the Greek that means to snort with anger or to have indignation on or to blame, to sigh with annoyance. And he was agitated, which is what this word troubled here means. So Jesus said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. 
He wept. His eyes welled up with tears. He was, was he sharing their sorrow? Or did he see in their faces some doubt as to who Jesus was and the power that he had? Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Behold how Jesus loved Lazarus. He has tears in his eyes. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take you away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. You know, his body's decaying, and for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, didn't I say unto you, said I not unto you, that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Keep that uh, little scripture there in mind uh, where it says you should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. So he was praying this prayer within the, the hearing of those that were there. And I knew that you hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Probably remember uh, this sermon about the resurrection, you know, we, we've had in the past and, and some I've given before. But it, uh, and he that was dead came forth. Lazarus came out of the cave where he was laying. And he was bound head and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, them, loose him and let him go. So Jesus could have gone immediately to heal Lazarus when he heard about it. But there was a reason for that delay. And he wanted them to see. He wanted them to witness not only the power that he had at that time, but also to see the glory of God. And that way their faith would be strengthened in Jesus, who was the Son of God and who many doubted that he was the Son of God. So up in verse 40, it says you should, that you should see the glory of God. So he was doing this miraculous healing so that they would see the glory of, of God. You remember Martha had said, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. So she knew the truth about this and, and uh, believed. It. But Jesus said unto her that he was the resurrection and the life. So Jesus was there among them as the giver of life, the resurrection and the life. But their faith was not quite complete in that. And at that time that that event must have strengthened their faith 
and their belief. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. That's full growth or completeness, it's both mentally and, and uh, spiritually and morally. Not laying again or, you know, casting down or throwing down uh, the foundation of repentance. Can't forget repentance and uh, why you believe the way you do. You just can't cast it down anymore. Repentance from dead works and a faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. And of the laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. You know, that is just... Uh, if God permit uh, growing into spiritual maturity so these are all matters of which he's telling that that they should have been aware of fully aware of long ago a principle is defined as a fundamental truth that serves as a foundation for a belief or, uh, or a behavior so among these that we see in Hebrews 6 is that there is the principles that form the doctrine of repentance, faith toward God, baptisms, laying on of hands, eternal judgment, and the principle of the resurrection of the dead. It's what we look forward to. That's what we desire. That's, we look to the resurrection not only for ourselves, but for the time coming when our loved ones will see again. But Mary knew this. For she had said to Jesus, I know that he, that is Lazarus, her brother, shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So let's look at this last day that Mary referred to and when it will be. So we go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which is, uh, we know as the resurrection chapter. Verse uh, 1 1 Corinthians. In verse 49 it says that we have borne the image of the earthly. And, but we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And that comes at the time of the resurrection. Let's look at verse 45. It says that uh, the first man was made a living soul. Living flesh. Has to breathe. Has to have food. In order to survive. In order to have life. But the last Adam was made. A quickening spirit. That is a life giving spirit. Now the natural man. It says in verse 46. Came first. After that the spiritual. In verse 47. The first man was of the dust of the earth, made out of all those elements that, that is, that I guess you could say, been put together uh, in, in a fashion with the dust of the earth, with clay. Be interesting to see someday how God did that, how He fashioned man out of the dust of the earth, and all the things that go on in the inside of our body that keeps us, that keeps us going.
Verse 48. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. We're earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that also that are heavenly. We know about Jesus. We know about God the Father. We also know about the angels who are heavenly. That they have spirit bodies to one degree uh, or the other. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, as I read earlier, we shall also the bear, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So that's a promise. Those are words of promise that is designed for you and me to think about at least every once in a while. But this I say in verse 15. Now this I say that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit uh, incorruption. Verse 51. Behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In the, in, uh, at the last trump. That's when this resurrection is coming. At the last trump. At the last day. For the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible. Must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. That's you know, the prerequisite. To having uh, a spiritual body. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So we see this principle of the resurrection here in these verses, in these scriptures. And we begin to understand what we are. That we are temporary flesh and blood. Air breathing human beings and Subject at one time, as it point unto man once to die. And so we begin to understand why we have life and what life is leading to. And that's every one of us in here. So we know that flesh and blood can't inherit the, the kingdom of, of God. And it's a mystery because we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. So in that resurrection that is to come... At the last day. Those who have died. Those who have fallen asleep. They won't realize how much time. Or all the events that have transpired. Since they died. They won't know of, the, of all those things. That have taken place. How much time has passed. It may have been you know, centuries. Or thousands of years. Or maybe just last year. But we see that in death. Uh, there's just total unconsciousness because as we read in Proverbs uh, the dead uh, know not anything. So for them who are resurrected, for those who die at a time to come, for them in the flicker of an eye though whatever amount of time has passed, they awake as though just only a split second has uh, come and gone. Daniel chapter 12 Verse 1, at that time shall Michael stand up, that's the archangel, the great prince which stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written 
in the book, making reference to the, to the book of life. So, Daniel saw this. While we are to expect bad things coming before that time, the good news is it's going to lead to the last day, to the last trump, when we shall all be changed at the return of Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. And many, verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting shame, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting content. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that lead, that is, uh, lead and turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So what we do in this life, our goals in life, the way we look to the resurrection when that change is going to come, Hopefully, others will see, well, what makes you really enjoy being who you are or living as you do in righteousness? It's because we see that there is a life that is coming. No matter how we are today and whether, whatever weakness we are having to endure at this time, there's a day coming when all of that is going to be changed. And we are going to be as stars forever. As stars forever. So, you know, sometime when you're out indoors and you happen to be praying at night and you see the stars up there, uh, you remember this as stars forever and ever. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, I read this. Behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. And this word moment is uh, Greek and it is atomos, an atom of time. In the twinkling, which is just like an instant glance of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. So, our eyes close in death, and then the next sound we hear is that wakening blast of the trumpet. And then there's that lift off, you know, when uh, uh, we're gathered in, into the skies to meet Jesus. But we know until then it is appointed that mankind wants to die. After this the resurrection and eternal judgment. John chapter 5 verse 24. Verily I say unto you he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation. But is passed from death unto life. So when a person believes in the Father and in the Son, it means they, they live in their, in their word. For as Jesus said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Presenting the same doctrine that God gave him to preach and teach. Verse 25, truly I say unto you, the hour is coming. Now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live for as the father has life in himself so has he given to the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man Jesus gave his life to become the savior of 
mankind, of every man, of every woman, every child who turns to him to become their high priest, to become their advocate, to become their savior who has come down from heaven. Verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in their graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Repeating the, you know, the same thing that Daniel uh, uh, said earlier. Back to uh, 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 12 of chapter 15. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you, some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead raised not. And so some people will look at us. There are some who do not believe in the resurrection of life to come. It's, it's like they are saying, you know, you're kind of wasting your, your uh, time uh, in all this religious stuff. Verse 16, for if the dead raise not or rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They're gone. They're dead. They're no more. But we don't believe that. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive but every man in his own order Christ the first fruits afterward they that are Christ at his coming you know one of the things that we look forward to in regard to the holy day you know is the feast of trumpets and what that trumpet sound is going to mean you know at first it's going to mean a lot of uh, uh, things going on in the world bad things but then there's the good news of Christ's return and the resurrection every man in his order on order afterward they that are Christ at his coming that's what uh, Martha had referred to at the last day then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God even the father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 and you know read this as, as a promise as something for each one individually here to look forward to you might think well it's just our, our vanity but this is what the word of God tells us. John saw this. 
And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. So we know that there's a day also coming in which there will be martyrdom and faith is going to be tested. Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. It's a millennium. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years we're finished and this is the first resurrection. So we see well got, if there's a first resurrection then there's a second resurrection to come. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So putting this in to a statement in which John is saying to the disciples, John is saying to you personally, to me and you personally, it's like saying, you shall be priests of God and of Christ, and you shall reign with him a thousand years. So that is a, a very definite statement that we can put our hope in. And so we look forward to that day. Even as Mary said to Jesus, I know my brother shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So we look forward to that last day. And those words that Jesus said to her. I am the resurrection and the life. They're as real today as it was then. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 it says. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the eternal with the Lord wherefore comfort one another comfort one another with these words John 15 Jesus also said I am the true vine and my father is the Husbandman, you know, the gardener who, who sees to, to the plants that are in the garden. Now, Israel was God's planted vine. But over time, the fruit they produced was not pleasing to God. Then he sent his son to deliver them and be their source of life, to be, to be the true vine. You know, the prophet Isaiah, I don't think I have this, in, I don't have this on your handout there, but the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 1, he looked around at the world, at society around him, and he was disturbed by what he saw. All the things that are going on, the bad things that was just making things, uh, you know, worse and worse. Even as we today may look around. And Isaiah said. Ah sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. With lawlessness. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel. Unto anger. They are gone away backward. Forgetting more and more. And backsliding. Into the ways of society. As though. 
God was never around or God is not around. Go down to verse 19 of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, you can probably follow that up later. Let's write it down. But it says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall eat, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So there's a right way that's pointed out to go and a wrong way that's pointed out to not go. But I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Verse 2. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. You know, pruning involves, you know, cutting away uh, live wood. To improve the, uh, the production. The, the fruitfulness. Verse 3. Now, if, now you are clean through the word. Which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. That is remain in me. He's saying. Remain in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can you. Except you abide in me. Or remain in Christ. Remain in the vine. Attached to the vine. As a, you know, as a healthy spiritual connection. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So if a person who doesn't abide in the vine. That is Jesus Christ. You know is useless. And it's sawn off. The branch that is dead. You know is cut off. It no longer feeds from the vine, but has you know, uh, become decayed. It's become fruitless. And so removing the dead wood, the dead wood is, you know, is going to prevent uh, decay to spread to the rest of the plant. But in contrast to that negative act, we see this falling. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. So the word abide is, is pronounced minnow and it means, and it means to stay. That is remain in, in a given place. Then it says and whatever we ask in prayer it is with this desire that God's will be done. And what is his will? To bear fruit. You're familiar with Galatians 5 verses 1 through 8 I won't go there but it gives us the kind of fruit that we we should bear you know love joy patience and, and so on and those things and the fruit those are the fruits of the spirit but as you look at that those list those listings there's there's probably some we can point to and say you know I'm not really uh, I fall short of what uh, this fruit should be in me and so we ask and we pray according to God's will and it shall be done if we want more love if we want more uh, patience you know we ask God so also on the other hand if we have a problem with envy if we have a problem with hatred we ask God's help in, in not doing those things but verse 19 of Galatians 5 it says gives us the works of the flesh Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Of the which I tell you before, 
as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So those are things we, you know, you look at all the fruits, the good fruits of the Spirit, then you see the opposite of those things. You have to sort of see where we stand. Uh, you know, these are going to be cut off as non-bearing branches. So to be a disciple of Christ is to bear much fruit because this is what the Father expects. How do we do this? By remaining, by abiding in Christ and in his words. You know, in the red letter Bible, you can see the, uh, the statements of Jesus and we can meditate on these. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. And you know one of the aspects of love is, is having forgiveness. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant does not know what his Lord does. You know, the servant, he just serves, and, and he doesn't know uh, what the purpose of it is. He just does, does his thing without question, the purpose. But he said, I have called you friends. For all things I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. How has he made it known to us? He makes it known to us from our younger days to the present time. From not only your reading of the word of God, your fellowship with one another, but also from uh, you know, the pulpit from, and those that speak to you about the word of God. We learn those things. So he's made those things known to us. And he's, verse 16 he says. You have, you have not chosen me. But I have chosen you. And ordained you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. What's the purpose of our calling? What's the purpose of why we're here? It's laid out before us. I have chosen you. And ordained you. That you should go. And bring forth. Fruit. And. That your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father. In my name he may give it to you. So those fruits. Make you stand out. As pleasing. As pleasing to God. Verse 19. If you were of the world. That is you know the cosmos. Uh, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. You know, the world wants you to be a part of them. John 14, uh, verse 10. Believe ye not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me. That I am in the Father. And the Father in me or else believe me. For the very work's sake. 
Verily I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Sometimes we think and look back on our life and we think, well, you know, I haven't produced enough fruit. I haven't really done all that I should do. And so, uh, this is where we ask God. And whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You know, sometimes in our prayers here, we, we sometimes mention, uh, lead me, guide me in the way that I should go. And that's pretty much uh, an aspect of our daily prayer that, we, that we, we can include. Because in verse 14, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. But if you love me, verse 15, keep my commandments. You remember Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So we cannot have one without the other. We cannot deny uh, one and not deny the other. So the father and son relationship is so closely tied that Jesus said this, verse 23, he that hates me hates my father also. So we read you know, Acts 12, 12. There's none other, none other name under heaven by which men, among men, whereby we must be saved. So to produce spiritual fruit, we have to remain in Christ, in the vine, and that being Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, saying to those who uh, were his disciples, to those who have become his disciples, he said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body because it's subject to die. And if you do those things, it's going to only lead to death. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's what we are as disciples of Christ. That we are instruments of righteousness unto God. We know that not all the world is being saved at this time. But we are instruments of his righteousness. To in a way pave the way. To have so that we may have a part as kings and priests in that, in that time to come. The last day. Leading them to Christ. So. In conclusion. Don't neglect so great a salvation. And don't take it for granted that once saved you're always saved. And don't lose sight of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. As Jesus said. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. And I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman.
Please rise with your blue hymnal. We'll sing one closing selection. Number 21, Revive Us.